The Old Testament reading today is from Psalm 72, 5 through 8. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Well, you'll notice behind me these banners, and these are traditionally the themes of the Advent season, which prepare us for Christmas. Advent is not Christmas, it prepares us for Christmas, and there's definitely some overlap. So these themes behind us, uh, hope, love, joy, peace. This morning we're talking about peace on earth from a passage in Luke, the second chapter. This is the word of God. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Father, thank you now for uh, this season as our hearts prepare for Christmas prepare to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and fill our hearts with a confidence, O oh God, that the gifts of Christmas, Lord, that you want us to have among them is peace. Help us this morning as we move through this lesson, this passage, that we might be encouraged to continue to follow Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I heard the bells on Christmas Day is a Christmas carol based on a poem written in 1863 by the American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And the song tells of the narrator hearing the Christmas bells during the Civil War, but despairing because of the violence in the world. And after much anguish and despondency, Longfellow concludes the carol with the bells ringing out with the resolution that there will ultimately peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'm gonna read it for you. I heard the bells on Christmas day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace is fragile, isn't it? We all know that. We've all had our peace ripped from us at a moment. And it's not hard to do. It can happen in an instant when you're not expecting it. The sudden news of a person who has passed, a close friend or loved one, or a CT scan that shows a tumor, a fight with a spouse, or an argument with a close friend. Peace is ripped away when nations go to war. Peace is fragile. Yesterday, we had our peace ripped from us. We had went to the zoo, with, gone to the zoo with our adult kids and our granddaughter, and one of our daughters was driving away with a cousin and three children in the back seat, and we had, we had taken one highway, she had taken the other, and called us as traffic stopped. She slammed on the brakes and smashed into a concrete wall. And, you know, car accidents, they shake you up, and so she was pretty shaken up, and we turned around and raced back and came back and, and parked on the shoulder and all this traffic going by. And while we were on the shoulder, the traffic stopped up with the looky-loos and there was another accident right next to us. So as we're standing there next to the car, another car, I mean three feet from me, went smashing into another car and windshields and fenders and bumpers went flying in all directions. And we were out there in the cold for about an hour. It was... Um, a beautiful day up until that moment and our peace was taken from us and it took hours to recover, you know, to sort of recover our peace, the tranquility, because peace is fragile. And because peace is sort of hard to hold on to, we all want peace and we all want to know how to get it. What's helpful for us to understand is that peace is one of the wonderful gifts of Christmas that's offered to us. The word in the Old Testament for peace is the word shalom. You've probably heard that word before. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is irene, where we get the woman's name, Irene. It comes from the Greek word irene, meaning peace. And peace in the Bible doesn't just mean the absence of conflict, but the concept of something being whole, or complete. The word can refer to a perfect stone shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps or missing bricks. I think we have a picture of a completed stone wall. I don't know how well you can see that, but that's an example of the way the biblical word for peace, can be described. The image or the illustration of sort of all of these different pieces together fitting perfectly with no gaps or holes. That's actually a picture of a wall at the top of Machu Picchu. I suppose it's about a 1,000 years old, and it's amazing how people that long ago could create something so perfect. The point of that illustration is that Peace refers to something that's complex 
with, a lots, with lots of pieces in a state of completeness, wholeness. It relates to our well-being. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these things is out of alignment or missing, your peace or your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole, and it needs to be restored. To bring peace means to make complete or to restore. I want to talk about this morning three kinds of peace that Scripture says we can have. Peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. Peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. The first is peace with God. This is spiritual peace, and it's the most important. It affects everything else. The Bible says God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. So the first thing we need to realize is there is no more important kind of peace a person can have than peace with God. Listen, God doesn't want us to be disconnected from him. You know, before someone is about to die, usually in the movies when someone's about to be like, you know, hanged, they'll say, you know, give him a moment to make peace with his maker. We realize that before leaving this world, we ought to have peace with our maker. But here's what's important is peace with God doesn't come from something we do as if we could make peace with God. Peace with God comes from what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Colossians 1.20 says that God reconciled all things to himself through Christ who made peace by the blood of his cross. Ken Sandy in his book, The Peacemaker, talks about the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. They're two different things. Some people are peacekeepers, which means they can be conflict avoidant, right? Because sometimes it's, you, you don't want to talk about hard things, so you avoid the hard things because you want to keep peace. But that's not true peace, because on both sides of an issue, there is angst and tension, like building and brewing. And so to avoid conflict is not really the right kind of peace. It's peacekeeping, but it's not peacemaking, to make peace in a difficult situation, you have to enter into something that is hard often. And that is what Christ did. Christ entered into this world. He entered into the hardness and the fallenness and brokenness of this world and absorbed the world's evil into himself on the cross. And so he made peace. He didn't keep peace. The peace wasn't there. But he made peace by the blood of his cross. And so making peace often requires a sacrifice. It requires us dealing with hard things. God did. You know, you can meet people who have incredibly um, successful lives, incredible worldly success, but they don't have peace with God. And there's nothing worse than I can think of than to live a full life, a successful life, and die and stand before God as an enemy because you have not accepted the peace that has been offered to you in the gospel of his son, Jesus. Imagine that, standing before God in the judgment, 
peace was available between you and God all along and you rejected it and now you stand before God at the judgment facing all of eternity as God's enemy. So the most important kind of peace there is is spiritual peace, peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I can't stress this enough. We're going to talk about two more kinds of peace. This is the most important. Spiritual peace is the most important kind of peace we can have. It's peace with God. But secondly, after receiving the peace, after receiving peace with God, spiritual peace, there's the peace of God. We might call this peace within. This is the second kind of peace. Or emotional peace. So spiritual peace and then emotional peace. When I have peace with God, then I get the peace of God inside of me. Right? Does that make sense? I've made God has made peace with us. We have peace with God. And then there's the peace of God. That's emotional peace. It's the kind of peace inside your heart. Peace within. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. God wants his peace to rule in our lives. So it's not just a head knowledge that, well, we're okay with God, but my life and my heart is in utter turmoil. No. God cares about our hearts. God cares about the fact that we often don't experience peace within. God wants us to have peace within. God wants us to know that through Christ, we can not only have peace with God, but we can have emotional peace. Now, a lot of things rob us of our peace. A worried heart, a shameful heart, a confused heart, a broken heart. But you'll find in the Bible over 790 verses about the peace of God. And let me tell you something. God has a peace for every circumstance and situation in our lives. God provides peace for every problem. For the brokenhearted, God gives a comforting peace. For those with a confused heart, God gives a guiding peace. For those with a shamed heart, he gives forgiving peace. When we have a worried heart, God gives us confident peace. I talk to a lot of people, just because I'm sort of an outgoing social kind of guy, and also being a pastor, I talk to a lot of people, not just here, but abroad. I'm always in communication with people, in dialogue with people. And I have to tell you, I rarely meet people who are totally at peace. Rarely. Look what Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Worry and fear, the two things that rob our hearts of peace. And Jesus says, because I'm giving you my peace, don't let your heart be held captive by fear and by trouble. What's instructive for us is Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a peace that the world can't replicate. The peace you get from me, you cannot get from the world. You can't get it from a bottle. 
when I was suffering for about six years from panic and anxiety attacks, I finally went to the doctor after a couple years of it. I just I couldn't handle it anymore. And there were times where it was so overwhelming because I didn't understand it. I really didn't know what it was. And, you know, when it hits you, if you've ever struggled with it, you feel like you want to die. You feel like you are dying. And so sometimes the fear of having a panic attack creates a panic attack. And it just becomes this sort of like this, this loop that you get locked in. And it's horrible. It's terrifying. And I went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed me um, hydroxyzine and trazodone, which is medication for anxiety. It's medication often sometimes for depression. And I took a couple pills here and there. And I have to admit, it made me calm but it didn't give me peace. Because you cannot get peace from a bottle. You can get calm. You can fall asleep when you're feeling anxious. It can calm you down, calm your nerves for a moment, but it can't give you peace. Peace does not come from a pill. It comes from a person, and that person is Jesus. Now, God gives us emotional peace or peace within, on account of the fact that we've been united to Christ. So people talk about, well, you know what? Sometimes my life doesn't feel any less chaotic than in my neighbors. What good is Christianity for? Well, one, it makes us, gives us peace with God. We're, we're right with God. So no matter what happens in this world, we know that God's unchanging, unconditional love is guaranteed for us, no matter what happens in our life circumstantially. And that brings its own kind of peace, but there is also the peace of Christ that is available to us that calms our hearts when things go haywire. It is peace by being united to Christ. But here's the deal. The depth of that peace is maintained through regularly connecting with Jesus. We're connected objectively, definitively by faith, spiritually, but our experience of that connection can sometimes be you know, deeper or shallower based on our habits. So how do we create habits that connect us to Jesus in a way that make us experience that emotional peace more regularly? Well, here's the deal. I'm gonna tell you something utterly radical you've never heard before. Prayer and scripture. Through the regular habits, and I, you know, it's not, new, it's not clever or newfangled, right? It's sort of the tried, proven stuff that habits we fall out of. Maybe we think it's so fuddy-duddy, it's, it's old-fashioned, but let me tell you something. What is available to us through the regular habits of prayer and scripture reading is in prayer, we offload our worry when we talk to God. And something happens in our spirits where that confident assurance is given to us more and more when we pray. Our spirits unite with God's spirit, and when you are done praying, you may not know what the future holds, but you feel better, right? It was therapy before therapy was a thing. I mean, think about therapy, what therapy is. You, sit, you pay somebody to listen to you while you talk. That's what it is. Maybe they ask you a couple probing questions, but you just sit there and you offload to someone who's a professional. Listen, I mean, Scripture figured that out. God figured that out a long time ago because he's made us that way. God is saying, I'm listening. That's what God, is, God has said that all along. I'm listening. 
Come to me, you who are heavy laden and burdened down, and I'll give you rest for your souls. In other words, I'll give you peace. Come to me. Sometimes, though, we choose maybe another episode on Netflix or whatever else it is. Nothing wrong with Netflix. I have an account. Netflix is cool. But listen, when you don't have peace, God is saying, pause that for a moment. That'll be there waiting for you. Let's talk. And when you read scripture, so prayer, you offload your worries to God and there is an assurance through God's spirit that happens in prayer. And when you read scripture, what happens is you offload your fears by reading the promises of God. And it's a recipe for peace. We offload our shame. We offload our worries. We offload our confusion. And we receive instead the promises and the peace of God when we do those things. So there's no replacement for that. There's a replacement from good old-fashioned prayer and scripture reading. It is a means of God's grace. We can have peace with God. We can have the peace of God, emotional peace. Here's an application point. Emotional peace is maintained through healthy habits of prayer and scripture. Right? Some truths we just need to hear over and over again. Now, sometimes pray and read your Bible more is a very simplistic answer to complex situations in life. But this is one where when it comes to our peace, we can, be, uh, we can enjoy what God has on offer for us. So the third thing where there's peace with God, spiritual peace, there's peace within, emotional peace, and then the third aspect of peace that God wants us to know that we can have is peace with others. We call this, we might call this relational peace, all right? Spiritual peace, emotional peace, and relational peace. And you've got to have the first two to have this third one. And the reason is because the further away we get from God, the more it messes up our relationships with everyone else. The further, if your relationship with God is messed up, your relationship with people are going to be messed up. You want to strengthen your marriage? Get close to God. You want to strengthen your friendships? Get close to God. It doesn't mean you won't ever, you know, have problems in those relationships, but it means that when the peace of God is operating in your spirit and in your heart, the peace relationally is available. There's a way forward when things get tough. The more out of whack, I am with God, the more out of whack I am with other people. Ephesians 2.16 says, Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. So like I said, if you want to strengthen relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, strengthen your relationship with God. It pulls you back together. When things get out of whack, that pulls you back together. Now what's interesting is the context of this verse is the hostility between two people groups, Jews and Gentiles. That's the context of this passage of scripture. And Paul, the apostle, is seeing that the gospel unites people who are separated by all sorts of different things. For Jews and Gentiles, there was religious and cultural separation 
but for those who believed in Christ, they were united. And so one of the things we ought to see is that our unity in Christ unites us relationally. It creates peace between us. And as I look out in this congregation, I've done this, I've marveled at this many times, is we, there's a demographic, right? Different ages and stages of life, different cultural backgrounds. And before Christ, most of us, many of us, probably would have nothing in common. But our unity in Christ creates relational peace between us. And now you're my friend and I'm your friend and I'm your brother and you're my sister. And together in Christ, we have something in common because the middle wall of division or hostility has been broken down. There is relational peace. And I would go further and say that when Christ is operating in your heart, you can have at least better relational peace with even unbelievers or people who do not believe in Jesus because there is something functioning in your heart. It's the grace of God. And the grace of God causes you to move towards other people when you would feel hostility. And even when you do feel hostility, you move past that because you radiate the grace God has given you outward to others. So God has, in Christ, created peace and broken down the middle wall of hostility, not just between Jew and Gentile, but between people from all different walks of life. What's interesting is um, the Western nations of the world are actually the most violent nations in the world. Not collectively because, you know, there are large tribes or, or, you know, governments wiping people out, but individually in the cities of most Western nations, there's a lot of crime. And that has a lot to do with because they're melting pots. There's all these different people. And when you have that, you have opportunities for misunderstanding. And so all the more this time of year, we need to focus on how Christ brings and gives us relational peace, especially as we go into 2022. God wants us to know that we can have peace with him, emotional or inner peace, and peace with each other. And the only way to do this is to be united as children of God. Peace doesn't come from a pill. It doesn't come from a program. It comes from a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. This Christmas, as we sing and we talk about peace on earth, know that God wants to give you a real, lasting peace in each of these three areas. And it's not an unattainable dream. It's a free gift from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you now for these three areas of peace that you have given to us, you've made available to us by grace and through your love. The peace we have with you, spiritual peace, knowing, oh God, that we are secure in your love, not just now, but for all eternity. You have forgiven us and redeemed us. The peace you give us in our hearts, the inner peace, the emotional peace that no pill can give us. And finally, Lord, the peace that is relational, that we have with others, Father, you have given us a path for peace. As we connect with you, as we worship you, as we learn about you more, your heart, your loving heart, and as we pray, 
we are assured more and more and experience more and more of the peace that is made available to us through the cross. We thank you now. In his name we pray. Amen.